want to share a thought with you. And uh, and will you just stay there with me? Y'all don't leave. Okay. I want to share a thought with you tonight, and then we're just going to make room again here in, at the end of this service. Make room for God just to do whatever He wants. We're going to make room for us to have a moment of surrender and sacrifice. And where I'm going with this is the, the revival in Kentucky has really inspired me. Uh, and I know they're doing their best to try to manage the, the next steps, the next phase and everything. But boy, it seems like every little media outlet and every minister and every uh, podcast, everybody just seems to be touching on it. And, and I, I love the focus on the young people. I love the the focus on the 18 to 25 year olds, the preferential treatment for the 18 to 25 year olds, because uh, I know my generation and others, you know, it's kind of, we've seen stuff, we've seen it. And this younger generation, a lot of them have not seen it, have not experienced it. And so I've been, I've been uh, inspired because uh, Starla and I, we planted our first church out of a revival. The church where I was serving as a youth pastor uh, I'd been there for seven years, and in November, I guess it would have been 88, and I think November 88, anyway, we're, our church had a revival, a planned four-day meeting that they called a revival, Sunday to Wednesday. It just didn't stop. It just kept going, and we continued from November to December January and February, and it just kept going on and on. Uh, and it was in the middle of that revival when God spoke to Starla and I to plan our first church. So God's plan and God's will was birthed, it was revealed in that revival. When we moved here to Dallas, when we were here, we were in a family prayer time, a family prayer moment where we were just worshiping together. We were dreaming together. We were prophesying over each other. All of our kids were there. And, uh, and it was in that moment of prayer, in that moment of the presence of God, of surrender and sacrifice, that God spoke to us to plant Freedom Church. So we did. And this is, this is what I want you to and I'll come back to this at the very end of this message, is that God's plan and God's will is revealed and is birthed in surrender and sacrifice. When we get ourselves to a place to where we surrender and sacrifice, that's when God reveals his plan. That's when God reveals his will. So I wanna to talk to you tonight just a little bit about a hunger for God. Because I gotta tell you, I'm just, my hunger for God is increasing with the more stories I hear, the more reports I hear, and I think, oh, just, Lord, let that just keep spilling out you know, everywhere, all over this nation and spill it out right here in Dallas, Texas, spill it out right here at Freedom Church. Just let that hunger for your presence spill out. So I want to talk about hunger for God. What does it mean to hunger for God? What does that actually mean? Well, the, the word hunger by definition, actually, no, not, not spiritual definition, but just by definition means having a strong desire, craving, displaying the need for food, and we, we all recognize that. But in reality, hunger is not just for food, but humans also, we crave uh, physical, emotional, and uh, intellectual and spiritual nourishment. We crave all these things. We have a hunger for these things. 
And you know that you need more of God. You know you need revival when uh, you entertain the things that once grieved you, when you were silent, when you once spoke, when your prayer closet has more cobwebs and more dust on your Bible, when you've ceased to grieve over your own sin, when you've stopped sharing your faith, when you're more excited about your your personal agenda than doing God's will for your life, when you have to be begged to give or to serve, uh, when you question God where you used to trust him, when you don't long for worshiping God and being in his presence or with his family, when you're obsessed with what others think rather than what God's think, you're probably in need for revival. And some of those things hit me between the eyes. They probably should have hit all of us. But we humans, we're needy people. And in addition to water, in addition to food, we need so many other things to make our, to live our life well from community to, I mean, just the natural things. But in physical hunger, when we get hungry, we have this discomfort, this weakness that's caused by a lack of food. And then it's coupled with the desire to eat, which is just the natural process. In spiritual hunger, we have that same craving that, that craving for a, a spiritual food, that craving for the things of God, which without it, we cannot survive. Because in Luke 4, 4, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Man does not live by the natural things. I mean, in this physical body, yeah, but the, we're just here for a moment. But then we transition from here to heaven. We, we really, we don't ever die. We just change locations. That's what we as children of God do. But man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And what I'm hoping to create tonight is a hunger for God's word, a hunger for his presence, a hunger for more of him. Someone put it this way. There's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man that cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator made known through Jesus. There's a God-shaped vacuum in every single one of us that cannot be filled by anything that this world has to offer. It can only be created by God through the creator made known through Jesus Christ. So I know that not everybody has a craving and a hunger for more of God. And I I know not, not everybody is moved by the same things that others are. And sometimes that's because people have adapted a taste for something else because I know in the church there are some who you have lost your desire and your hunger for the things of God or even for the word of God or for the presence of God and sometimes that's because it's just been so long since you've tasted of the Lord that you've adapted a taste for something else it happens in the natural when you stop eating or drinking one certain thing you can lose the appetite for that And the same thing happens spiritually when we haven't tasted of the Lord or tasted of his presence or tasted a revelation in his word or we haven't really experienced or encountered his presence in a tangible way. Sometimes we lose the craving for that. But then all of a sudden when something happens, whether it's in your presence or it's even something that happens in in Kentucky or in some other part of the world, something that sparks a hunger, it sparks a little flame, it sparks a a desire and it kind of gives you a reminder of something that you tasted in the past. And I got to tell you, that's kind of where I am right now. I've got a hunger for something. 
Now, other people, you've never actually tasted what I'm talking about. You've never tasted that supernatural, that moment, that transformation. You made a decision to follow the Lord and Jesus saved your life, but you really haven't had that moment. It, it, I'm talking to you right now, like telling you, hey, can you think of a color that you've never seen before? I mean, try to think of a color you've never seen before. You can't do that. You can't make up a color in your mind. It comes from something that you've already seen. And for me telling you, there's a move of God. There's a, an experience with God. There's something that you just, you just got to taste and see. Well, it's, if you've never tasted it, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But if our greatest need would have been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need would have been technology, he would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need would have been money, he would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need would have been pleasure, he would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so he sent us a savior. He sent us Jesus. So let me just share four things with you real, real quick. Number one, the reality of where we are right now is we can't live without God. We can't live without it. And in this physical body, yes, you can, but we're not talking about the physical body. It, it will die and from dust it came and dust it returns. But the spiritual is what lives on. We can't live without God. In the beginning, we were created to bring pleasure and glory and honor to God. Sin entered the world, and interesting enough, it entered the world through a sin of eating something they shouldn't have eaten. Eating, and it resulted in separation from God. Adam didn't murder, he didn't steal, he didn't lie, he didn't commit adultery. He ate something he wasn't supposed to eat. And that forever changed the course of human history. And there's this, obviously, this strong correlation between eating and hunger. But right in the middle of eating and hunger is appetite. And appetite is something that directs our lives. It directs the, the, the focus of our lives. It, it directs the, the purpose of our lives. What is your appetite for? What do you have an appetite for? What do you crave most? And you can create a godly craving. You can, you can, God can put a godly craving in your life. So the reality is we can't live without God. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. This is Ash Wednesday, and obviously we don't necessarily, uh, practice Ash Wednesday here at Freedom Church in the traditional sense as like the Catholic Church or some other uh, more liturgical congregations where they'll have ash placed on their forehead. But I will tell you this, that this being Ash Wednesday is the a day, it's 40 days if you take out the Sabbath day until Easter. And it's a season where people would give up something, the Lent season, 40 days leading up to Easter, a day of sacrifice a season of sacrifice, a season of surrender. And I challenge you that in these next few weeks, the next six and a half weeks leading up to Easter, that you would find something that you could surrender and sacrifice for the Lord. What could you give up? What could you lay down? What could you surrender and sacrifice? If God's will and God's plan is revealed and is birthed in surrender and sacrifice, what are you willing to give up for him, for his will? for his dream, for his purpose to be revealed in you, for a, a hunger and a craving to be ignited inside of you. You think about what that could be. And then 
if man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the word of God, then let's get into the word a little bit more. And I would challenge you to do this. There are four gospels that tell the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I would encourage you to take Mark and Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The two in the middle. Mark and Luke. Mark has 16 chapters. Luke has 24 chapters. That's 40 chapters. Take one chapter a day. Read it in the morning, starting with Mark chapter 1. Just read it in the morning and write down all the things that Jesus did or Jesus is. Just anything that pops out of that page about, about Jesus, write it down. Thank him for what he did. Thank him for what he's doing and thank him for what he's going to do as you journey through these 40 days of surrender and sacrifice in his word. There's a challenge for you. An Ash Wednesday challenge without me putting ashes on your forehead. Here's the second thing. There's a problem. Okay, the reality is we can't live without God. The problem is that we are needy and we are blind. As people, as followers of Christ, even we are needy and we are blind. Apart from God, humans are spiritually dying since the fall of man, the work of man is cursed. And as a result, there's just this unquenchable desire in every single human being. In fact, Ecclesiastes 6-7 says this, said everyone's toil is for their mouth, yet their appetite is never satisfied. Never satisfied. Proverbs 27, 7. Death and destruction are never satisfied, and neither are human eyes. So not only are we needy, the other thing is we're blind. Now, as followers of Christ, we come into Christ and our eyes are open. But most of the people that we're in contact with are blind. We, we, we don't see with our physical eyes. We can't see God with our physical eyes. But then what happens is with our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our heart, we have trouble accepting his truth because we can't see him with our physical eyes. And here's what the Bible says about our inability to see him in, in Ephesians 4.18. It says they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Freedom Church, don't harden your heart today. Don't harden your heart now. Don't harden your heart to the things of God. Don't say, I've been there, I've done that, I've seen that, got the t-shirt. No, no, no. Don't harden your heart right now. Ask God to soften your heart. Ask God to, to make your heart moldable. Make, make your heart uh, like a child again, a childlike faith. But let him create a hunger in you for the things of God, the pleasures of God. Let me move on. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So we know that unbelievers, they can't see the... Uh, the light of the gospel. They don't understand it because the God of this age, which is Satan, has blinded them, has blinded the mind of the unbelievers. And it's not necessarily they're just straight up rejecting you or the gospel that you're sharing. They can't see it yet. They're blinded, which make, takes me back to, and I didn't watch it. I would not even waste my time watching it, but I've seen enough of the reports, the news reports of what took place at the Grammy Awards when Sam Smith and Kim Petras performed Unholy, a song called Unholy, and it was literally the exaltation and glorification of Satan. And the people who are some of the most influential people in our lives, and I say influential because we listen to their music and allow their words and their messages and their doctrination into our ears over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And whether it's not on in your car or your home, it's on somewhere. 
while you're walking through the grocery store. It, it's on. They're the most influential people in that room. What were they doing? They were applauding and cheering and celebrating this exaltation and glorification of Satan. What would have been great is to hear the stories, people standing up and walking out saying, I'm not, I'm not bowing down to Satan. But that didn't happen because people are blinded. They're blinded. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be us. There's more hatred going on in our world today than ever before. People love spewing hatred and they have the opportunity to do that on social media. First John 2 11 says anyone who hates a brother or sister is in darkness and walks around in darkness. They don't know where, where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. So this darkness, this blindness, it reveals the fact that the reality is we can't live without God. The problem is we're needy and we're blind, but here's the solution. And I'm going to stop with this real quick. The solution is this. Jesus came to rescue us. Jesus came to change all that. Now, listen, we've seen all great rescue missions. You know, they make good movies about it. The Chilean miners and the people on the rooftops in New Orleans, the rescue missions and the 13 lives of the Thailand soccer team as they got caught in the, the mountain with the, uh, the, when the rainwaters came in. And we've seen all these great rescue missions. We've seen great rescue missions of dogs and cats. But there's no rescue mission that's even, that even comes close to the rescue mission of Jesus. When he came down from his throne in heaven and he came down here to rescue you and me and he found each and every one of us. I mean, he could have stopped at any time. He could have given up. He could have changed the plans. He could have said no to the father, but he didn't. He came down here to rescue you and me. That's the solution. Jesus came to rescue us. The exact phrase hunger for God is not really found in the Bible anywhere, but the closest to it is this in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied or they shall be filled. Is there a hunger and a thirst for the righteousness of God in you today? If there's a hunger and a thirst for the righteousness of God, it will be filled. And you know what Jesus food was? The Bible. The Bible tells us that his food, he said, his ministry on our, here on earth, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So what fed Jesus was doing the will of God. And I have a feeling the same was true for us. Food for us is doing the will of God, doing what God wants us to do, not what we want to do, not what we think is right, not what everybody else thinks is right, what God says is right, which goes back to the word of God. Jesus hungered to do the will of God. We should hunger to do the will of God. We just need more of Jesus. John 6, 35 tells us that uh, I'm the bread of life and he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me will never thirst. So what's the reward of all this? We do these things. What's the reward of it? We get more of Jesus. The reward is we spend forever with him. Forever with him. Forever with him. And forever begins right now. Forever starts right here and right now. As Jesus declared that those who come to him and believe in him will never hunger, they'll never thirst again, that means that he's the only one that can give real fulfillment in life. Here's what I, I'm trying to say tonight. 
There's so many things that we try to fill our spiritual bellies with. There's so many things that we try to fill our spiritual minds with. And Jesus is the only thing that really satisfies. You can, in the natural, you can fill your belly and feel like you're full by eating things that aren't good for you. You can feel full, but it doesn't mean you're, you're, you may feel full, you may be full, but it's not healthy for you. You can do that for a little while, but sooner or later, your body's gonna tell you, I can't live on that. And that's what we've done spiritually. We have traded the bread of life for other things. I mean, even, even doing good things, listen, even doing good things, even feeding the poor, clothing people and putting a roof over somebody's head, those are all wonderful things. But that doesn't save anybody's soul. And what a lot of people and a lot of churches have done is we've got into the, the social aspect of, of life and, and we think that that's the only thing that really matters. And listen, it's, it's a good thing to put a roof over somebody's house. It's a good thing to put food in somebody's uh, belly. It's a good thing to be able to put shoes on somebody's feet. But the only thing that's going to get them to heaven is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. We've got to get them to Jesus. So we don't do those things instead of Jesus. We do those things because of Jesus. And what we've done is we've satisfied our belly with a lot of other things, good things, but the only thing that really matters is Jesus. That's it. And I want us to get back to Jesus. I want us to get back to him. I want us to get back to his word. Revelation 3.20 says this. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. I stand at the door and he's knocking. If anyone will hear and open the door, he'll come in, sit down and eat with that person. I think Jesus is knocking on the door of some hearts tonight. I think he wants to come in and have communion with somebody tonight. I think he wants to come in and have fellowship with somebody tonight. And then listen, he says this to the one who's victorious. I'll give you the right to sit with me on the throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on the throne. Whenever he invites or whenever he knocks on the door and we invite him in, he brings in victory in your life. He allows you to sit on the victor's throne. He allows you to sit on the champion's seat. And some of us have not been winning in life. You haven't been overcoming in life. And I'm telling you, this is where you overcome. This is how you rise above some of the challenges and the addictions and, and the problems and, and the things that have hindered you. You got to hear the knocking at the door, open the door and let him in. I'm going to stop with this. It's one last thought. When Elijah built a sacrifice, to combat against the prophets of Baal. He built his sacrifice. 
And God answered by fire. Remember, he lit that thing on fire. And here's what I want, the picture I want you to see, is that God responds by fire. God's fire falls on sacrifice. It doesn't fall on an empty altar. It falls on surrender and sacrifice, which takes me right back to what I said at the beginning. When God led Starlin out to plant our first church, it was in the middle of surrender and sacrifice. When we planted this church, it was in the middle of surrender and sacrifice. God's will and God's plan is revealed and is birthed in surrender and sacrifice. And what I'm calling upon you here at Freedom to do is to make room for him tonight.